Welcome to the Eagles Nest Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this recent message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. That's all right. I love the voice of children, don't you? Let's let's thank the Lord for the generations. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Mitchell, Mitchell's son. Bye, bye, Judah. Judah was watching a, a a DVD or a VCR, I guess it is. Back, you know, dating ourselves here. But it was of uh, one of the Hosanna Integrity worship times that we used to enjoy so much, and it was one that was done by Paul Wilbur in Jerusalem. I've been there a number times along with some of you, and uh, they were actually doing the, you know, the, they call it the davening is when the Hebrew Hasidic Jews with their black overcoats and hats and talits and all that were praying against the wall, and the music was really, really good and, and really anointed, and then all of a sudden the, the scene changed to that where these guys are doing this, and Judah is sitting there eating, enjoying some fresh-picked apples and some graham crackers, and all of a sudden he changes I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like... And, and Colleen said, no, no, no. And I said, well, Colleen, let's just listen. I don't like that. You know. And I just kind of thought, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, God sometimes uh, releases the truth because that is not how God asks us to come to him. Dressed in, in, in you know, things that set you apart and make you look different, and then going and bouncing against a wall that's 2,000 years old. Do you know that through Jesus Christ, anybody, anywhere, at any age, can come to the Father through simple faith in Jesus Christ? So I said all that to kind of cover the little ones hollering and jumping around in here. Uh, Let them come and let them speak. In fact, Judah prayed over my finger, and it's still healed. I know some of you saw this. I smashed it when I was working on the farm out there getting ready for Wendy's wedding and moving all those boulders that happened by David and I mostly and some of the others. But we were having fun out there, and one day, boom, slammed my finger. I thought, ooh, I was wearing gloves, but I knew that was more than, that was going to be a nasty. So I took it off, and sure enough, it started growing purple, and there was a split thing and all of that. And I started painting it so it wouldn't look so bad up here like I'm, you know, painting my fingernails. I colored it, and then I had Judah pray for it all the time he would come, and even I even glued it back together with super glue, and there was a split there. I'm here to tell you that the Lord restored my cuticle, my fingers back, and it's not split there. I even had a nail tech tell me one time while I was working, she said, oh, that, that's genetic, that'll be there forever. Well, I'm here to say that Jesus takes care of forever. Amen. Right there. Thank you, Jesus, for the little children's prayer. Amen. Well, I rejoice with you. I want to thank the worship team once more and, and all of our people that were out in, in ministry yesterday. I was with uh, Pastor Lowell down in River Hills at 7 to 9 o'clock, and then in Oconomowoc, my father's sister passed away, so we had a family memorial and remembering my, she was my godmother, and uh, good, good time with the family, then out in, in Delafield, and then out in Madison, and so here we are. We're a people about the Lord's work, and it's a good thing to be busy about the Lord's work. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I could put these slides up from, from last week and continue and take you a little farther, but I'm praying that the, you'll really catch what uh, I have to share. It's really the core of the gospel, and it's stated in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 
We had this before you a couple of times up here. You could take a Bible out of the pew and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 or listen and follow along. But I want you to know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He makes people brand new. He can heal fingers. He can heal families. He can heal marriages. He can heal bodies. And in heaven, there's no disease, no distress, no depression. And Jesus instructed us to pray that those results come to the earth. And so we're doing that here today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Let me read that again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Verse 18 goes on to say and, and set up the statement or how important that sentences, and all things are of God, who, the who referring to not all things, but the person of God. God has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, or as a result of, or because of that sentence and statement, we are now ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. I want to talk about the old things becoming new, and I want to use a um, perhaps obscure passage of Scripture. I referenced it last week, and it's in Joshua chapter 3. I want to share it with you. I hope you'll never forget it. You'll have to kind of stay with me as a storyteller or, could I say, as an Israeli guide. I, I speak a little Hebrew just enough to get my salt and pepper and good nights and good mornings and a couple of the prayers, but um, I, want to, I want to take you to the Jordan River this morning. But I want to set it up by letting you know this isn't about an Old Testament story. This is about an all-time revelation that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He makes all things new to those that are in Christ. Now I'm going to ask participation. Are there any people at Eagles Nest Christian Church here this morning that would say, I'm in Christ? I don't know, get a couple. Okay, now keep them up. Are there, there I, I, I can't go forward till I get 100% hands. Now, now put your hand up for someone else. You know, they're in, or you're praying them in, you're part of, because remember Paul said, we are ambassadors now that we know this. Can I see two hands? We know people that don't know Jesus, and because of me, they will have an opportunity. Now, Lord, you see these hands. These are your hands. We are your body, and you said uh, you'll, you'll not uh, allow the, the earth to conclude until you have put all enemies under your feet. The body has feet, so we're the body, we're the hands, we're his feet, so God has us in process of doing his work in the earth as ambassadors. Let's say yes and amen. Yes and amen. And he wants us to do it with order, with, with calculation, with intent and purpose. I want to talk to you about that here this morning. A little image as I move out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 37, in fact, it's, what, oh, it's going to look, I, I have a calendar behind me, so a lot of times I'll look back and refresh my big picture. This is the, this is the day of Simchat Torah, or Shemanit. 
uh, when the Old Testament in the Hebrew days or in the Jews right now, they're done reading the Torah. Uh, Bill's got a whole bunch of uh, our guys. I said, Bill, come on in here. Bring your anointing. Where is he? He's out there in the aisle. He's reading the scriptures. So I think for the 60th or 50th time through, thank God for that. Uh, I encourage you to get in the word of God, read it cover to cover, and you'll catch it. Just every time you go through it, you'll learn more. But now the Jews are completing it. And in John chapter 7 and verse 37, in the Feast of Tabernacles, which is today, or the end of uh, right now, the, the seven-day feast last seven days, at which time they're sleeping out in the booths, and you can go to Jerusalem or go down in some Jewish community. They have it on the North Shore. They sleep in huts, or at least they remember coming through the wilderness. This will all tie into the message I want to share out of Joshua chapter 3. But God brought them into the wilderness so he could move them through a season of entrusting their lives to his care in order that he could get them to the promised land. Now, Jesus comes, you know, 4,000 years after Adam and enters the scene and he honors God's feast. The Moedim is the Hebrew. It means the gathering of the feasts. And at the last feast of the year, which is tabernacles, the last day of the feast, which is today and tomorrow... <laughs> Jesus commemorated that in John 7 when he was watching the priest pour water. Someone would stand with a pitcher and pour water over his hands in a symbolical washing, saying, we have completed the reading of the Torah, the scroll. It's all rolled up. And when it's all rolled up, guess what you can do? Start unrolling it again. So he washes his hands and starts to unroll it again to start the next cyclical reading for the next year. It's very ceremonial, very meaningful. And Jesus is watching this happen. Caiaphas and Annas are doing it, and, and the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. And then Jesus is standing off to the side, and he's saying, if he, he likens the washing of the water to what's going to get poured into us and then come out of us. He says, if any man thirst... So I could just see him getting the attention. If any man thirsts, kind of like Wendy here, hey, 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 you know, we, we got people thirsting and getting filled. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and out of his belly, not out of the priest's picture, but out of your belly, say out of my belly, out of my spirit, man, that's been made new and filled anew. Made new is not the same as being filled. But out of your belly, Jesus said, shall flow rivers of living water. So all of a sudden, the attention's off of the age-old ceremony of Christmas, Hanukkah, Easter, the bunny, the Halloween. And Jesus is speaking, and people are, I'm going to follow that guy, because the presence was on him. So the presence of the Lord makes people that are in Christ new creatures. He... He declares that old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I think what Jesus was trying to do is get us to understand that God wanted to do a personal washing and a personal filling in every person. He's doing that in my life. Is he doing that in yours? Amen. Amen. So there's a new work occurring, a new work being accomplished in our lives. We looked last week at Isaiah 43, just a real quick. Uh, Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, was inspired to say, Do not remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. 
For behold, I am going to do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth, and shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness, and rivers, say rivers, we'll talk about a river here in a little while, rivers in the desert. And uh, then he goes on to say about the, the things that will happen as a result of this new work that God does in the earth. Then we mention a few things that are new that God does. He gives us a new birth, John 3. He gives us new wine, John 2. He gives us a new way of entering, or he's prescribing the proper way to enter in John 3 through believing in Jesus Christ. Let's, let's say it together. Where's Rudy? I could have him stand up, but I, I know you know it. Uh, when we were working on John 3.16, can we just say it together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So to be in Christ is to believe in Jesus, God's offering for sin. And then it's no longer about sin. It's about what God is doing in my life, that out of my life will flow rivers of living water. As we were worshiping, I was seeing the picture of a Texas oil gusher. Drill and drill and drill. Yesterday out there in the capital city of our state at Madison, one of the worshipers would come and said, Pastor, I heard you do Israel tours. I said, yeah, I do. I really enjoy our ministry over there. I've got, got uh, friends and so forth. And Colleen and I won a Muslim businessman to the Lord and reached out to him and established a church in his home. Come on, we went to Betzafafa. And uh, Wayne was there with me that day. Colleen and Wayne and I went down there and out in the distance in the, in the valley. The, I can't remember the name of the valley. It's a Hula Valley down there. Um, could hear machine guns going off. And we're having Arab tea and sharing the Lord with them. So she was saying, yeah, you know, God's doing a, a, a new work in the earth. And uh, I was saying, yeah, he's really pouring out his spirit. But when he pours out his spirit, it's, it's not for the purpose of just having an expression of big fireworks. Jesus was letting us know that it's not about a once-in-a-year conference. It's about a daily relationship with the living God, and he comes out of you as living water. Not as the oil gusher where you're drilling and drilling. Oh, this is what the gal said. She says, yeah, I just got back from Israel and, and God gave us a revelation of Asher. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, Deuteronomy, Moses got the revelation that Asher would dip his feet in oil. Pastor, did you know that they found some oil in the tribal area of Asher? I said, yeah, I've been following some of that. That's cool. But when you find oil or they finally hit the load and <laughs> Let me tell you what they don't do. Let's just watch that for, just, the guys are all full of crude and, you know, you've got Jed clamping, I'm, I'm a rich man now, and he's, you know. No, what do they do? They govern it. Let's put a cap on it. What are we going to do? Is this, is this going to be a, a, a crude oil? Is it going to get refined to gasoline? Is it going to go to, you know, fuel oil? What are we going to do with it? And that's what the Lord does in our lives. When we get that new spirit that he gives us in Ezekiel 18 and Ezekiel 36, God says, I will give you a new spirit and I will give you a new heart. That is not the completed package. That's the beginning of a new relationship. And Jesus is saying, now because you have something new doesn't mean it's filled and it's done. My new spirit needed to be filled with his spirit. I was at uh, Pastor Lowell's uh, Bible study. I, th I think I'm the youngest guy there, and now I've hit the big six decades. 
And, you know, Jerry's sitting next to me. He's 93. He's, Pastor, what are you? You know, I'm saying, wow, Lord, that's so many needs, so many questions. Use my life. Put the governor on it. Put me where I need to be so I can be who I'm supposed to be. But uh, the man that was speaking, I was listening to him, and in his, in his 80s, he's just gently standing up there saying, when, when I was 30-some years old, I had an encounter with the Lord. It was real. Jesus came into my life. I think, wow, thank you, Lord. And then he began to deal with me, and I learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I sought the Lord, and God filled me with his Holy Spirit. Now, this is among, you know, Bill Blatt's and these business owners. That, yeah, the guy that made all the beer that got all your families in maybe trouble. Maybe, I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> Too much is definitely in a serious situation. But he's unashamedly talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, I want to encourage you to ask God, you've got a new spirit, that's great. Is your new spirit filled with his spirit? And that's not a one-time deal. That's, Lord, fill me now. In fact, we usually say, Lord, fill Pastor Tim to give me what I need today in Jesus' name. All right, I think I said enough about that new spirit-filled spirit. Now, Joshua chapter 1, this was a new thing. Joshua 1, we were here last week. Uh, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place upon which the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given to you, as I said to Moses. So he's reiterating, he's reestablishing, he's connecting Joshua to Moses' purpose. I'm connected to my mother's purpose. I'm connected to my grandmother's purpose. I'm connected to Billy Graham's purpose. You're connected to God's eternal purposes through Jesus Christ. And it's important that you understand what your role is in this overall purpose. So Joshua was going to be called into the new leadership. Three times the Lord says, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all the law And be strong, make sure the book of the law does not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Joshua chapter 1, the sixth book of the Bible. You can turn over to the third chapter there. That's where I'm headed. This book shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate day and night. Then you'll, as you observe to do according to all that is written, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Boy, do I want good success. God, guide me into those things that you promised it would be the right purpose for my life, and use me. Then God says again, verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid, either be dismayed. So then Joshua passes that to the people. Then we said that God buries his workmen, but the work continues. So I'm standing in the place of a workman here today. May the Lord's anointing touch you. After Joshua chapter 1, Joshua passes this off to the people. They're told to wait three days. In those three days, Joshua sends out two able men. He said, I want you to go to Jericho. I can see it. Remember when, how many of you, raise your hand if you've been on Mount Nebo. Remember that one day it was so windstorm, sandstorm, we couldn't see across the valley. Then the next time you could see over there, you could see Jericho. And if, if if the fire was burning in Jerusalem, You could actually see, if there was no wind, you could see the smoke rising from the Mount Moriah uh, offering. So it's a kind of a cool vantage point. And uh, so Joshua says, I want you to go spy out Jericho. 
And let me know what we're looking at when, when we do what God told us to do. So Joshua chapter 2 is a cool story. We'll save that for another time. So I want to get to Joshua chapter 3. So the spies go out, they get chased, they come back and um, give Joshua a report. It says in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 1, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to the Jordan River. That's right where we crossed on the way back from Jerusalem, I mean Jordan to Jerusalem the last time we were there. Right in that same little valley is where this stage is set for this story. Came to pass after three days, the officers went through the host. They said to the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then shall you remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near unto it that you may know the way by which you must go. And here was the whole title summary for that message. For you have not passed this way before. Joshua was told by God, I'm getting ready to do what I've promised long ago to do, and you're the guy to see it happen. Make sure the leaders get the message. The leaders go to the people and say, we're going to go do this, and we want you to stay 2,000 cubits. That's 3,026 feet. That's almost five-eighths of a mile behind the leaders. And the, the, the context I gave to you last week, I felt the Holy Spirit say, yeah, that is exactly what I want you to communicate. I want my people to get it. Follow, but follow at your place in, in the line. What the leaders said, let us get through first to make sure, and I used a construction illustration, don't drive on the concrete till it's hard. You know? Guys, don't ask her, uh, tell her what your five-year marriage plan is on the first date. Let it settle. Take a few days. You know, make sure you got the mind of the Lord. Let the leaders lead and find their way, because if you get, you get in the commander's tent with uh, Dr. Or Dr. General Eisenhower and General Patton and and Field Marshal Lord Montgomery, you might hear him say, yeah, we're going to probably lose about nah, three million infantrymen on the first day. I don't want to hear that if I'm an infantryman. So you want to let the leaders lead, and then, okay, it's all clear to come. That's a good thing. That's a very good principle. So that principle we shared, and the, the new way that they are passing was important. Then we kind of concluded with our uh, little Jeopardy game. I felt the Lord in that. I want to just say yes to the Father. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to the Holy Spirit. I want to say yes to my accountability partners. I want to say yes to those that are making intercessions for me as a person, as a father, as a family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I say yes. So now let's pick it up in Joshua 3, verse 7. And the Lord said unto Joshua, here's the new plan. And this is a cool insight I want to share with you. This is after Jericho. The spies were out. Joshua knew they had thick, fortified walls. He knew that he had an ally in Rahab on the corner of the, on the, corner of the wall. She kept him in there. He knew that uh, if he needed to, you know, that was his, his inside person. Because the inside man is an inside person and her family. So the Lord says to Joshua, chapter 3 and verse 7, This day will I begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with you, Joshua. And you shall command the priests after that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said unto all the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby shall you know that the living God... I love verse 10. I can't develop it today. 
Um, I've done a, a good deal of writing about it and love soaking in it. And I want to share it with you. I'll just kind of glance over it. But the Lord speaks to Joshua. Joshua speaks to his leaders. Now he gathers the people and he said, this is what we're going to do tomorrow or today. And Joshua says, hear the words of the Yahweh Elohim. Verse 10, and Joshua said, hereby shall you know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail say that God will without fail. Will you just say God will without fail? Joshua's telling them, God will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, number one, the Hittites, number two, the Hivites, number three, the Perizzites, number four, the Girgashites, number five, the Amorites, number six, and the Jebusites, number seven. God will without fail drive them out, and you'll know that the living God is among you. For behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes before you into the Jordan. That's uh, verse 11. I'll just stop there, point out a couple of things. I'd like you to observe that Joshua said God will without fail remove or dispossess, displace these seven people groups. And Joshua could see the first one right there in Canaan, in the Canaan land in the valley there. Um, this was long after Sodom and Gomorrah and things had begun to spring up around the Salt Sea. And so there's still a fertile area there. The 70 palm trees are over there. Um, we go by it every time we go to the, the Hava, Ahava store where they sell all the skin lotions and the dead sea salts. But the Lord said through Joshua, without fail, I will dispossess those seven people groups before you. Now, without fail is the Hebrew word yarosh, and it means to expel. It means to take up and remove and take occupants where something else was. And which is before you is, the, is a poor English translation. It's the Hebrew word panim. If you're a Hebrew student or you read or you heard uh, like Joseph Prince or you know, Perry Stone or some of the others, panim is the Hebrew word for intimate face-to-face -face relationship. It's what a man and a wife do when, when they celebrate and, and consummate the marriage. It's what Jesus does with us in our prayer time. And the, what the Lord is saying is, I am going to dispossess things that are face-to-face -face intimately with you that aren't supposed to be there. Starting in the low place, the Canaanites, the, Hive, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Going from low to high, the Jebusites lived over on Mount Moriah. Yabusi is the Hebrew word. They were the occupiers that held the high ground that God wanted and gave to, to Abraham when Abraham sacrificed uh, Isaac there. Oh, my, I'm getting lost in my... I just love this stuff. I don't know if you're getting anything out of it, but I'm feeling excited. I feel like I'm there. <laughs> so he starts from the low and goes to the high. Uh, those names mean that, as the Scripture says, for as his name is, so is he. The Canaanites are the merchants or tra traffickers representing the lust of the eyes. The Hittites, Chet is the Hebrew word terror, to, to, to provoke fear. And so it's a rule by domination. The Hivites are, are, are encampments or villages, people just coming together and, and building relationship without any lasting purpose or meaning. The Perizzites uh, were, were the people that would just dwell and, and be nomadic. They dwelt in unwalled cities, and the representation there is there's no fortification, there's no protection, there's, there's no definition between them uh, doing what they're supposed to do with restraint 
and the uh, unyielded will, the Gergeshites, to this day, you can't find a Hebrew scholar that can define it. And when, when bad becomes worse and worse becomes really bad, it just loses definition. And you've got a whole generation of people wondering, uh, even, even in this day, what, what's my gender? Right? Who, who am I supposed to be? Why am I here? And, and they're not listening to the reasons that God presents through his word. And it gets to, to be an undefined uh, generation. And God was getting ready to, to deal with that. But anyways, uh, God said without fail, he would take those occupants out of the land but what I want to focus now is on Joshua chapter 3 and verse 12. So there were seven, seven occupiers from low to high. Let me just throw this out there. Remember Mary Magdalene? That woman that lived up on the on northwest side of the Sea of Galilee? One, John wrote of her. Jesus didn't say this. He loved her and, and won her in a relationship she followed him closely, and he revealed himself as the risen Messiah to her, first over all people. But it is said of her that the Lord cast out seven devils. And there's a number of completeness in, in the scriptures over and over again in, in seven. And it, we find the same thing here in the promised land. There were things occupying the land that God promised to the people that God himself was going to deal with, and he was going to help them with. And I think that was personified in Mary. I, I can stand uh, testimony and tell you that's happening in my life. God, by his presence, is dispossessing things that I've been face-to-face -face with, been intimate with, and that are, I, you know, if, if truth be told, okay, God, can, can, we, can we deal with this now? And the truth of the gospel is if you surrender your heart and spirit to God and he puts in that new spirit... And it's just a matter of time before the grace of God comes to fill you and that dispossession of what shouldn't be there takes place by His grace and His power and His enabling. Would you join me in thanking Jesus just for surrendering to His grace? I feel the Lord in this. Now let's get a little visual. I talked about enough here. How far back does this go? Well, 2 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy. Uh, Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old, behold, don't forget the behold, that's like the umpire, it's World Series 1982, it's Robin against uh, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals, too bad they lost in the seventh game, but to get the old thing going, what does he say? Play ball! It's time. Game on! That's what behold means. Listen to what's going to happen. If anyone's in Christ, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So let's pick it up again at the banks of the Jordan River, down there in the Jordan Valley. Now, therefore, take you, Joshua. Joshua is getting instruction from the Lord. Joshua passes it to the people. Now, therefore, take you 12 men out of the tribe of Israel, one man for tribe. There's 12 tribes, Jacob's sons. And it shall come to pass that as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, bear the ark of Yahweh, the Lord, Adonai, of the whole earth. So he's kind of catching everything, the, the fatherhood of God, the manhood of Christ, the, the Yahweh supreme creator, designer of the universe. As soon as the priests that carry, do you remember why you were supposed to stay a mile or a half a mile behind the priests? What did the priests carry? The ark, what did the ark represent? the living presence of God in their midst. So we follow leaders that have the presence of God actively in their life. 
Let the dead bury their dead. Don't, don't waste time. Joel, Joel, not Joel Osteen. Uh, oh, Joel's his son. Help me, Lord. Bethany Stockstill. Uh, Larry Stockstill. I remember going to that in the 90s. We were down there. and They're the largest uh, assembly of God in the nation at that time. Then working with uh, the folks over there in Phoenix with Tommy Barnett. I think they're kind of neck and neck. We've got large organizations. But he would say this. He said, if you don't feel the Lord speaking to you and you can't put your finger on his direct assignment, then vote with your feet and follow the presence of the Lord. That's what this principle means. So now the presence of the Lord is going to go into the river. And the Lord said this, verse 14, As soon as the ark is on the shoulders of the priests, as soon as the soles of the feet uh, touch the shores of the Jordan, or shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it shall come to pass, listen to verse 14 of Joshua 3. Joshua and, and John are very closely related in their writings. As I said last week, Joshua is the Hebrew word for Jesus, which is a Greek word. So Joshua is the Lord's deliverer, taking us from the laws of Moses into the promised land. And it shall come to pass, verse 14, that when the people removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the people, as they that bear the ark of the people, so they were ahead, they were ahead, and the people are watching this happen. The ark is on the shoulders of the priests, and they're moving ahead. They come unto the Jordan River, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for the Jordan overflows all his banks at the time of harvest." So we know what time they were crossing over. It was the, just like now. Boy, we drove to Madison. The Rock River's way over its banks. The uh, Fox River's over its banks, and there's a high water level. So this wasn't a little bitty miracle that was going to happen. It was completely dry at the time of flooding. God said that that would happen. And verse 16 of Joshua chapter 3. Now, you can shout at me or kind of wave at me or do your... You know, shake that bush, Pastor, because this is where the energy is today. And I need, to, I need to get you on board to catch it. So God sets it up. They wait three days. They let the guys go out ahead. The guys go out ahead, the priests. They step into the Jordan River. Dale Enders and Clark and I and some of you, you guys, remember how cold it was in 07? Holy cow, or 11, whatever year we were there when it was really cold. This time it was cold, but not as cold. I think it only took me about six hours. Clark, how, when did your feet start turning pink again? Maybe it was six, seven hours. <laughs> the other time was like a whole day later. So they're going to step into the water. And verse 16, as soon as they stepped into the water, the priest that carried the presence of God or carried the ark, the waters which came down from the north above stood and rose up as a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is besides Zeratin, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over the Jordan. Now, let me just kind of, I'll be like Joe and Troy. Did you just see what happened, Troy? 
Well, let me, let me tell you, Joe, I've been in that situation, but I've never seen it like that. When those priests stepped into the water, I've seen them get over in, in, in low water. Stu, I might need some help on the organ here. I might need some help. But I've seen it when the, you, know, you kind of get, get the high rocks, but it's flooding. It's flooding. And as soon as the presence of God got in the water, the water stopped. And not only did it stop, it rolled back to the north all the way back to Adam. All the way back to where Adam lived. All the way back to where? As in Adam, all die. But the presence of God in people stopped what was coming down from Adam immediately. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, behold, he is a new creature Adam isn't trickling down my personality anymore because I have a new spirit. I have a new way. God said to Joshua, you haven't gone this. Don't think, oh, yeah, this is Uncle John. This is Dad. This is Billy Graham or this is Pastor Joe. You haven't ever had this before, Joshua. This is new. Why? Because I'm taking you into the promised land where you and your daddy and your mommy have been face-to-face intimate with things that I said you should not be intimate with. But I'm going to stop the power and the flow and the current all the way back to the city of Adam beside Zeratan. Say beside. Zeratan. Beside means to be pushed out of. It's a bad translation. The Hebrew word is tetzah. Zeratan is zahadoth. What God was doing in picture-perfect map quest strategy so no one would forget... Parents, this is what you should be teaching your children. Turn off Sesame Street. Turn off National Geographic that said that lizard is your forefather and teach them these principles. Let's wash our hands from last year's reading and clean them and start reading it again. I commend the Bible studies to you. You should be in a prayer Friday night. We had five people here. You should have heard the power of God flow. Well, I got things to do. Not as important as having stuff roll back out of your life all the way to Adam. And it only comes with the presence of Christ. So Joshua steps into the river. Let me tell you what these two words mean so you don't forget this. Beside is sod. It means to sidle off an adversary. It means it's like the day I took my coat off and threw it is because I knew probably what was happening. And it just happened again. I got these pens here and they're futzing with the transmission. So I wasn't trying to be, you know, weird. I just was entire. I was tired of the transmission interference. Hey! Any of you tired of some transmission interference? Some of us are signing up to be intimate with that interference. The Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Perizzites, the, the Jebusites. And these things represent, I mean, think of the Canaanites. It means to traffic, to traffic in, in industry and commerce. Well, we live in a generation that's spun on a yo-yo of, of, of financial greed. You need the $1,000 iPhone so you can what? I used to put a quarter in a red phone booth and make a phone call. You know, it's up and down. We're following, and God said, this is good. I am stopping what's come down from the city of Adam. And it's stopping so you can clean pass over the Jordan. And uh, all the way next to Adam, there was a a sidled-off adversary. And then the the city next to it was called Seradoth, and that means to pierce and puncture. 
I can see that two ways. Next to Adam, it wasn't, it wasn't Satan or the Jews that pierced Jesus' brow. It was Tim's sins. It was Adam's sins. He sidled himself off from the Lord's plan, separated himself, but God was there all the time. And now he was going to stop the flow of the negative, let them go forth into the promised land. And, and he said this, these are the seven enemies you're going to face. I could define them for you. You can read some of the things I've enjoyed uh, soaking before the Lord and uh, learning what he was saying. He's not against people. All people are invited into this plan. He is against contrary expressions to his nature. There isn't any of that in heaven. And so uh, the, the pierced one was stopped so that you can go forward. And this was not an upriver paddle on the Jordan. As much as it was an across the water to a new land. So I could have subtitled my message, Crossing Jordan, or Across. God wants us to go across into a new land. He stopped the high water, and it wasn't just a little sin. It was the whole, it was overflowing. And go back to Joe, Joe and Troy. I, let's just look at that replay again, Joe. Way back on the horizon of humanity, a piercing occurred, a contest was engaged and the devil thought he stole the human race from the father who created it but here we are it's 4,000 years or now Joshua would have been 2,000 years later God's letting us go back into the land where Adam's city still has his namesake I wonder what God wants to do in your life that only his grace can do I'm going to invite you to stand I want to proclaim the new thing that God is getting ready to do. I want to invite you and uh, to follow along with me. Dear Lord, Stu, can we just sing it? We have history. Can you have all, all of our people? And I just want to just come. Let's just thank Jesus for rolling back the Jordan River. Oh, while they're coming to take their places. Listen to this. The Jordan River is the most vertical river on planet Earth with respect to scale and distance. It starts in the summit of Mount Hermon, you know, 4,000, 4, 5,000 feet above sea level. Relative to its distance, it doesn't even travel 200 miles, but it travels from the height in one of my favorite places at Caesarea Philippi in the north of Israel, where Jesus was standing and saying, I'm going to build my church, and the, the Gergeshite, you know, no definition, be, become the gender you want, have the any person you want. There's no dedication. There's no de definition. There's no repentance for wrongdoing. There's no surrender to instruction. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church right there. And in order to do it, I'm going to have to stop the flow. I'm going to have to stop the flow of what's coming since Adam. Whew. Thank you that you do it, Jesus. So Jesus stops the flow of the most vertical river on planet Earth because this was supposed to be a postcard. We're supposed to know this. It travels uh, not even 200 lineal miles, but it meanders through the Jordan Valley, down Caesarea Philippi, down through the country of Jordan, Amman, the, the city near, nearby there, and down right where we're describing it, past the city of Adam, past Jericho, past uh, 
uh, where you buy the Ahava there, I can't think of, Qumran, where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls and lands in the Dead Sea, the lowest place on the earth. So God was saying from the very lowest place a, a human can be to the highest place, I'm stopping it so you can move forward. Thank you, Jesus. And as it turned out that day, the people that went into that dry riverbed were not the same people that came out the other side. They had an experience with God following those that carried the presence. Would you just join me in lifting your hands, thanking God for the history that you have with him, thanking him that through Jesus Christ he rolls everything back, all the way back to the first Adam. And now could it be, could it be that uh, this Jesus, uh, Zaratoth, this pierced one that was right next to the Adam, represented by this gathering of people. Could it be that he wanted his grace to abound in such a way that he was right alongside of every time I've been intimate with one of those enemies of his plan? He was right there waiting for this moment for us to step in to the dry river of Jordan, which means descend from the highest to the lowest, and move forward into a new land without any fear. He said, I will without fail, I will without fail drive away all of the enemies that you encounter little by little so that you may learn to trust me and grow and become the person that I've ordained for you to be. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, as we come under the words of this song, just go ahead and start sneaking up on it while I just conclude in my prayer and my words I feel like you caught it this is about you having a brand new beginning not about being born again today unless you've never been born again but if you are born again you have a new heart and a new spirit and I'm asking God to fill my new heart and my new spirit with his new grace for today will you do it Lord will you do it Lord thanks for listening to Message by Senior Pastor Tim Winter. Please visit EaglesNestChurch.net for more information.